1: Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we're looking at a fireside talk that was given by Dr. Bradley Wilcox, who is the second counselor in the Young Men General Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's a very popular speaker, especially with young people. And this talk that he was giving was directed to young people who were in the audience. We're going through his acronym, GOSPEL. And as we began yesterday, we are looking at the letter G, which stands for Godhead. And he makes it very clear that our view of the Godhead is very different than the view of many Christians. And then he went on to misrepresent what Christians believe by saying most Christians believe that God and Jesus are the same being and that God slash Jesus is a spirit. We don't believe that. First of all, we believe that Jesus certainly did resurrect bodily, so we would hold to that position. We do not hold that God the Father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's mainly because the Bible makes it clear that God is
2: spirit. If you're a Latter-day Saint, you may have heard the word Trinity. You may not quite understand what that's all about. You may have objections to this doctrine that's so important in historic Christianity. We invite you to go to our website, mrm.org/slash. Trinity-Index. We have over a dozen articles on a variety of issues, everything from the history of the Trinity to where it's found in the Bible. We encourage you, instead of creating a straw man argument, as Bradley Wilcox has done here, to be able to at least understand what the doctrine really does teach. And if you disagree with it, disagree with what it says, not what it doesn't say.
1: Exactly. But what troubles me about this, though, Eric, is when he goes on to say, Why is it that we know that God has a physical, tangible, perfected body? He says, mostly we know it because of Joseph Smith. So can you see how much is riding on the words of Joseph Smith? Either he's telling us the truth or he's not. And he knows that because in the next paragraph he says, yeah, but maybe Joseph Smith lied, Wilcox says. He tells his audience, if you haven't heard that yet, you certainly will. But then he goes on to explain what this kind of a lie would look like, and I'm a little confused by his argumentation on that.
2: If he were lying, then he would have said what everybody wanted to hear. He would have said, I saw God, and God and Jesus are one being, and God and Jesus are spirit. That's what people wanted to hear. That's what they would have believed. And yet, he didn't say that.
1: First of all, I don't think that the people who understood a Trinitarian understanding of God would have wanted to hear that they are the same being, because we don't believe the Father is the Son any more than the Son is the Father or the Father is the Holy Spirit. That's just not what we believe as Trinitarian Christians. But when he says he would have said what everybody wanted to hear. Well, if he said everything that people wanted to hear, why would they have any suspicions that he might be lying? I don't really understand the argumentation that Wilcox is using here. Plus, it seems to ignore, why do we as Christians believe what we believe? We believe what we believe because we can point to Bible verses that support what we believe. Now, I'm not implying at all that a professing Christian can't take a Bible verse out of context and misunderstand and misinterpret it any less than a Latter-day Saint can do that. But over the history of Christianity, biblical scholars and theologians have come to a basic consensus on what we believe on these issues, such as who is God and what are his attributes that there's really not a whole lot to argue about after all these many centuries. He seems to ignore this. The reason why we don't agree with what Joseph Smith said is because what Joseph Smith said contradicts what the Bible says about God. And if Smith is going to say something that's outside of those norms, then naturally we might be saying he's lying. He's either lying or he could have been deceived, That could be an option if he really did see something and whatever he saw misled Joseph Smith. But I think at this point in the game, we look at what Joseph Smith taught, and we have to come to the conclusion, he's got to know better than this. So we would assume that he's probably lying. He goes on to say that Joseph Smith said, God and Jesus are separate beings with physical, tangible, perfected bodies. Wilcox goes, whoa. That is so far out of the realm of believability that Joseph Smith proves himself either a horrible liar, I mean he was bad at it, or a speaker of truth. When he says that's far out of the realm of believability, it would be for a New Testament Christian who understands what the Bible says about the Godhead. That would be outside of the realm of believability. We would reject that. Why? Because the Bible doesn't concur with what Joseph Smith
2: was explaining. When he says God and Jesus, he's referring to the Father, the Father and Jesus, and I think perhaps for some of us as Christians, we might use that same language, and that could be confusing for the Latter-day Saint. I think we have to be very specific. The Father and Jesus are separate beings, and that's what Christianity teaches as far as personhood. Each of them are separate persons, but they're not both physical, tangible, perfected bodies. Jesus certainly has a perfected body because he was given a body at the Incarnation. He died and rose again. But God the Father is spirit, according to John 4.24. The idea that he has a body is only found in unique LDS Scripture.
1: He says that true faith is knowing God, knowing his attributes, what he's like— knowing his plan for us, and knowing that our lives are being lived in accordance with that plan. Now, I don't know if I would define faith quite the same way. As we've talked about many times on this show, that true faith can only be as strong as the object that you put it in. And yes, our faith is in not only knowing God, but believing that God, through the person of Jesus Christ, the second member of the Trinity, Did something on our behalf that purchased our salvation in such a way that there's nothing left for us to do or add to what Jesus already accomplished. Now, that faith is very different from the faith that's described in Mormonism. I would say it's even different than this faith that Brad Wilcox is explaining here. And if you know his attributes as a Latter-day Saint, those attributes that you think you know— are not going to be the attributes that we read about in the Bible. So if that's the case, then the God you claim to know cannot possibly be the God that's described in the New Testament. Now, if you're a Latter-day Saint listening to me right now, I hope you can understand why we have such a sense of urgency to explain that to folks like you. We see this as having dire eternal consequences. Believing in a false god has always been understood to be idolatry. Idolatry does not make you a Christian.
2: How many times in the Old Testament does God go against any false god? Over and over again, we see through the prophets and other places in the Old Testament that that's important. What do we see Paul saying in Galatians 1.8? If anyone preaches to you a gospel other than the one I preached to you, let him be accursed. That gospel includes having the right God. If you don't have the right God, if you have a false view of Jesus, 2 Corinthians 11.4 says it's possible to have another Jesus. That's not the true Jesus. So you need to correct that view or you don't have a relationship with God at all.
1: And I think we need to go back to what Wilcox said earlier in his talk. He's making it very clear that his view of God is very different than what our view is. So obviously, he believes we don't have the same God. And as I said earlier, I can appreciate that kind of honesty. But then Wilcox is going to go on, and he's going to what I think is giving a threat to these young people.
2: So you want to walk away from the church, he says? Say goodbye to your whole concept of God. I had some kid at BYU say to me... I don't believe in Joseph Smith anymore, but I still believe in God and Jesus. And I said, look, I don't mean to be rude, but do you realize how stupid you just sounded? He's like, what?
1: Yeah, he, actually, the way he says what is like, what? But here's what's funny. He says, I don't mean to be rude, but you do realize how stupid you just sounded? It sounds to me like he kind of intended to be rude there. But how does Wilcox take what this young person has to say?
2: I said... You don't believe in Joseph Smith, but you still believe in God and Jesus. You separated them. Who taught you to do that? Who taught you that they're separate beings? Joseph Smith. So don't tell me you don't believe in Joseph Smith anymore when your whole concept of God, your whole covenant relationship with him is thanks to Joseph Smith. Is he giving Joseph Smith too much credit?
1: I think so, but I want to go back to something you said earlier, Eric, and that's how sometimes as Christians you may hear a Christian say, God and Jesus. Now, speaking to a group of Christians, I understand perfectly what they're saying. They're separating the Father from the Son. Perfectly correct theologically. But I think we need to be careful, because if you say God and Jesus, you could be sending the message that somehow you don't think Jesus is God. Therefore, you need to be more precise in your language. So whenever I'm trying to make a distinction between god and jesus i always make it a point to say god the father and jesus christ or jesus the son there's a number of ways you can do it but i think we need to be cautious because it seems like wilcox has is taking it that way he says well you say god and jesus you're separating the two i don't think he's trying to imply that he doesn't believe that jesus is a is not a part of the godhead But we wouldn't be separating them the same way as a Latter-day
2: Saint is separating them merely because we say God and Jesus. What we can take out of this first point, G stands for Godhead, Bill, is I think we can say we have huge, major differences that are not reconcilable.
1: He goes on to say when he finishes up this portion this, of the G in the word gospel, what do you get here that you don't get anywhere else? A knowledge of God and their covenant relationship with him that suddenly allows this higher power to have power in your life. And I don't want to walk away from that. I don't want to say goodbye to that. The reason why I think he's giving a veiled threat here is he's making it appear to these young people that if you give up the church, you give up all this that he looks at as a benefit. I don't know if these young people are seeing it quite the same way, because I don't know where a young person listening to him would go once they gave up the church. If they were to find their way into a Christian church that taught them a New Testament understanding of the gospel, I would applaud them and say, you're not leaving anything. In fact, you're leaving a lot of baggage that you don't need. But if they were to go off into atheism, well, that's a whole nother matter. I certainly don't want to see anybody go off into atheism. That doesn't seem like a positive lifestyle either. Tomorrow, we're going to continue looking at his acronym for gospel in this talk given by Dr. Brad Wilcox.
0: Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www. MRM.ORG, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another Viewpoint on Mormonism. How would you like to have Mormonism Research Ministry address your church on the subject of Mormonism? MRM's Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson have spoken at many Christian churches all over the country. You see, they can tailor their presentation to meet your church's needs. Anything from a one-day basic introduction to a weekend symposium. You'll find these PowerPoint presentations clear, articulate, and presented in a Christ-honoring fashion. So let your pastor know today that you'd like to have MRM speak at your church. Write us at contact at mrm.org.